This is Get Fitty With It. I'm your co-host, Holly Stark, and I am joined by... Mary Sorensen. <laughs> and as we've talked about in many episodes, we tend to open the episode when we're film- or filming, when we're recording with our guests. So someday we'll learn our lesson. Today, yes. not that day. Not that day. Um, so we have Lindley on our podcast today. She's here to tell us a little bit about her story, both in fitness, mental, and her sobriety journey. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really good episode. We're excited to get into it with her and have you guys hear her story. Yeah. So make sure you take some notes. She goes through some really good advice, especially if you know someone who's dealing with addiction. So mm-hmm. come back to this episode if you need to. And then, like we said, if you are someone who is struggling with any type of addiction and need someone as support, like Lindley said at the end, you know, she's more than happy to receive that message and help. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are struggling, just know that there are people out here. Obviously, you can always message us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary and I haven't dealt with addiction ourselves, Personally, but we yeah. both dealt with it through other people. So yes. know that we can definitely be here to support you as well if you are struggling. But with that, we will see you guys on the other side. Welcome back to Get Fitty With It. I am your co-host, Mary Sorensen. And I am your co-host, Holly Stark. And we are here with the wonderful, beautiful Lindley. I always question if I say your name right, like every single time. But we are here with her. We are talking about, you know, all things. Who is Lindley? Um, it is National Sobriety Month, so we will be touching upon that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to open up the floor. Lindley, would you like to introduce yourself? Am I saying yeah. your name right too? I I say yes. it all the time, and I'm always like, is that right? <laughs> it always cracks me up because like people, I get that a lot. And the funniest thing about it is like my my last name when I was you know, my maiden last name starts with a C. And so like when people would get to the back end of the C's where my name usually would be like in roll call in class and stuff, you know how they like get to the name and they kind of look at it weird and stuff. And I would just raise my hand because like, I, I knew that's like, I know it's me. And I was like, just don't <laughs> do it. Don't try it. Just, just, let's just move on with our lives because everyone's going <laughs> to laugh. They have for years. Like I'm just used to it, but like, I know I was going to say, we've been friends for like three years now and I still like question. Like, you should see the names people will put on Starbucks cups. Like, <laughs> I, should, bit. I can imagine it going so wrong. But. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there's not really a ton to know about me. Um, I'm a millennial and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. Um, I'm also an Air Force veteran. I am married and we live in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Uh, we moved from a city of 500,000 people to a town that's got about 900 people in it a couple of years ago. So I live a very small town life now, which I'm still adjusting to. <laughs> um, and basically my whole goal and just with everything I do is to help other people get through life without making the same types of mistakes that I did. Um, especially in sobriety. Um, that's, that's one of those key areas for me. It's like, I, I actually have a pretty big group of people in the sobriety community, um, that I connect with and stuff. I'm always learning more to like, um, understand how the human brain works with sobriety and with addiction and stuff. And, uh, I just, I don't want people to make the same mistakes I did because it's been a long journey. Uh, it's been eight <laughs> and a half years, but those eight and a half years have been far from easy. So that's my whole goal in life is just to help other people live a better life without all the extra stuff that we put into it. So I love that. Lindley, you said you're, you were in the air force. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Um, I was actually, <laughs> I I'm sorry. I like never get to talk to a lot of women that have been like 
in some part of the military besides like my aunt. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I went in, in 2009, um, and I got out in 2010, actually a year to the day, um, about five months in, I wrecked my hip. I have a permanent ball and socket injury in my left leg. And, um, they're just kind of waiting to see what happens as I get older, um, whether or not I'll need surgery, but at this point I don't need surgery, but yeah, I was in for a year. Um, and I actually ended up getting out basically on a medical discharge because that leg just did not do what it needed to do. <laughs> so <laughs> couldn't pass a PT test to save my life because I couldn't run at the time. So makes sense. <laughs> so speaking of running, how did you kind of start your fitness journey and sort of move your career towards fitness? So actually <laughs> it's because of coming home from the air force. Uh, when I came home, they had me on a really strict waiver while I was in the air force. And basically what happens when you're on a waiver in the air force is they tell you what you can and can't do in terms of activity. And so that's a piece of paper that you have to carry around everywhere you go. Your chain of command knows about it. And, um, it's, I gained a lot of weight while I was, you know, basically not allowed to do anything, uh, physical activity wise. I wasn't even allowed actually to like go to the gym and use like a, you know, like a recumbent bike or anything like that, like a stationary bike. Like they wouldn't let me do things like that because they didn't want it to degenerate that hip until they figured out what was wrong with it. So, um, I spent a lot of time sitting on the sidelines, watching everybody else do physical activity whilst gaining weight myself. Um, and when I came back from the air force, I was really depressed. I moved into my parents' basement when I got home. Um, if that doesn't sound millennial, I don't know what does. So <laughs> so I've been there more than once. <laughs> but yeah, I moved into their basement. Um, and I mean, I've been going through a lot of stuff and I, I posted a status on Facebook and I remember this day, like it was yesterday. Um, I got this message from a friend who was like, Hey, I saw your status earlier. And I know a lot of your updates lately have been really sad. And I'm just a little bit worried about you, but I wanted to ask you if I pay for your membership at the YMCA here in town for a couple of months, will you come and work out with me in the mornings? You know, I'll get you set up. He had been working there for, I don't even know how long I used to, I actually used to work at the YMCA there in town. And he was like, I just want to get you back on track. I think this would help, um, you know, with your mood and with the, you know, the way that you have been dealing with things. Um, do you want to come do this? And I was like, well, I guess. I'm not going to have to pay for the membership. I'll go ahead and do it. And I went there. I ended up really just finding a very joyful space, um, in the gym. It ended up being the thing that kind of pulled me out of that depression. Like even on the worst days I could count on my workout being there. If nothing else was in, you know, if everything else was inconsistent, that was the one thing that was there was mm -hmm. you know, the gym. So did that. And I ended up dropping like 50 pounds that year because of the stuff that I was doing. Um, and all I did was design a super simple plan for myself and go every day. Like it was not rocket science at all, um, <laughs> but yeah, I fell in love with it. And it was, it was one of those things where like, if I wasn't home, if somebody called and, you know, needed to talk to me or whatever, and I wasn't home, I guarantee you I was at the gym. <laughs> so, that was how I got started with that. Um, and then I actually ended up getting into the coaching industry later that year. I, I came across it after I started a home workout program just for the hell of it. I was like, you know, I did it with like three or four friends and our, our gym had like a, like a nursery, like a daycare mm -hmm. room. Um, and we just went in there and turned on the DVDs and started working out together in there. But, uh, I found out about coaching, um, and the rest has been nine years of my life that I, I don't have any regrets. I really don't. Fitness is, fitness is my space. It really is. 
And with that, I know that you have gotten certified with training and I believe nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like upon finding your own journey, you wanted to kind of just continue learning about that? Or like, how did that go into like kind of developing yourself into like a coach, a trainer, like being interested in that side of it, not just like your own fitness? Oh, for sure. Um, well, I, after I became a coach and I got into the industry and stuff, I really just did it because I wanted, I I wanted a discount on products. Um, and (laughs) I spent an entire year not doing anything, um, you know, with the, with the helping other people get involved side of things, just because I was, you know, I moved away from my house about two months later. Um, and that was the first time I was like truly in my own home. Uh, I mm-hmm. moved into this little one bedroom apartment and started going to classes and I was really, really busy. I actually, I got sober at the end of 2011 um, while I was living at home after my major party girl phase. And when I moved out on my own, that addiction problem actually ended up coming back. I relapsed um, and it got a lot worse than it was the year before, like a a lot worse. They, they always say that the second time's the worst. And I didn't think that was possible, but the second time was definitely worse for me. Um, and in September, after a couple of really bad nights with my now husband, um, how we are married, I <laughs> like I am, I am still confused about that man's patience because I would not have been okay with the, the level of anger that came out of me when I was drunk at that point. Like I would not have stuck around, but he's still here. So (laughs) here we are. Um, after a couple of really, really bad nights with him in September of 2012, I ended up getting sober again, but about 10 days in, I was like, I have to find something, anything to fill that void. I just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I ended up doing a 60 day program. I couldn't afford a gym membership. So I just did something at home and, um, lost a bunch of weight again. And people were asking me what I was doing. And I was like, okay, it's not just about what I'm doing. It's about why you're asking me the question. Um, and I really started deep diving into why people were so excited for me because I was like, I I had always kind of had this really low self-worth and I felt like it was really strange that people were like, Oh my gosh, look how, look how happy you look and stuff. So it it was weird for me to get those kinds of compliments. And the more I talked to people, the more I realized that other people were looking for not necessarily just the weight loss side of things, but like the, the motivation to get out of bed in the morning and Mm -hmm. just realizing that like I had started to tackle this program right after I got sober and that those two things going hand in hand, like obviously there was a mental connection between those two things. Um, and I just, I really saw some promise in that. And since I was so obsessed with doing it for myself, I was like, okay, I need to know the science and the mechanics behind it. And I went for the certifications. I actually ended up getting group exercise uh, certified in two formats too, uh, before I moved to the city. So that's amazing. I love that. And you, I mean, maybe you kind of touched on this already a little bit, but you know, in, in terms of your personal health journey, what's your biggest why behind it? And why do you keep, you know, coming back to fitness? Um, honestly, it's, it's my family. Um, if I can't do it for me, I can do it for them every time. Um, I have a niece that was born in 2017 and she had surgery at six weeks old. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and that little girl and I have had a connection from the moment I met her. She literally saved my life. And I had been going through a lot of things. I, I've 
obviously I've been in this industry for a really long time, but like I said, when, when I can't do something for me, I always remind myself that if I do it for them, the end result is the same, but I did it for somebody else. Um, cause there are just some days where I, I get up and I, I'm like, I don't want to do it for me. I just really don't. So <laughs> they're, they're my biggest why. Um, and my husband, like I said, the man has the patience of a saint and <laughs> I, I don't know what I would do without him. And it's, it's so amazing to have a partner who, I mean, he helped me build my whole home gym. I have an entire like little teeny tiny mini gym in my basement and stuff. And it's, it's all because he was like, no, this is, this is the space that you come out of where all of your magic comes from. So that's amazing. It's so funny how many people have been on here and just like with Holly and I as well, like to have nieces and it's just funny that like everybody has like their niece and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's just like how much that affects you as a person. Cause like, I mean, I don't know if I want kids one day. I don't know if I can have kids one day. So like knowing that I have like a niece as well and like seeing her and like being able to do it for her and things like that, like show them what, like to kind of change the perspective of how we grew into fitness and stuff like that. And just like take care of them and show them like the right way to do it rather than like starving yourself or like, I would never want to have, and I'm sure you guys feel the same with your nieces, like the same thing where it's like, you never want them to go through everything that we've gone through in our lives. And I hope that that's the way that the world's changing too. But I think that that's amazing that you like said that. Cause I know that Holly always talks about her niece. My niece is very new to me. So I haven't been like bringing her up as much, but it's, it's definitely like growing into that, especially with COVID. I haven't been able to see her a lot and now like seeing her more often because like things are kind of winding down. It's just been so nice to like have that. Oh, for sure. For sure. That connection is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my entire life. I, I didn't know I needed her until she was here. Yeah. I totally get that. I I remember when my niece was born, like telling my, my fiance, like, I didn't realize I could love a person like that until like I met her in the hospital. And I was like, Oh, I've never felt this before. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like, I don't know. It's just so different, but I love that. I'm obsessed with my niece. (laughs) So I get it. That's so funny. Um, as far as like your why, do you feel like your fitness journey why and like your staying sober why are pretty much this like they go hand in hand the same way? I think they do. And I think it's because my sobriety journey, I really do owe so much of it to my fitness journey. If I hadn't been in that space and just really realized how, like how unhealthy the habits I had when I was not sober were, it, I mean, because with with my drinking habit came a binge eating habit and not good foods. Um, and so like, I, you know, just the, the health spiral was really bad. And so I think that, I think that my why is basically the same for both of them because they're so hand in hand for me. Like they just, they, it's basically the same plane. It's just two different things that I do, if that makes sense. So, and on that topic, um, you said, you've been sober now for eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. How do you, how has that journey been? Can you like, tell us a little bit about that and how, you know, the ups and downs maybe for someone who may be listening, who is struggling currently? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, when I first decided to get sober, <laughs> I honestly had no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, I got sober cold Turkey. I don't recommend that to a lot of people because it is very, very difficult. Um, I also had to come face to face with a lot of demons that I didn't even know I had until I was trying to get sober. Um, because you just, you drown all of it. Um, 
I will say that being known as a party girl in a really, really small town did not do good things for my mental health um, because the kind of torture that you endure for being that kind of a person in a teeny tiny place mm-hmm. is not fun. Um, my mom worked at a church and <laughs> you can imagine how great that was for my mom to be the secretary at a church and oh, for geez. me to be the, um, the, one of the town's party girls that everybody was talking about every weekend, which is super great. Um, and I, you know, I mean, I, I tried being sober for a while at the end of the time I lived there and it was more, more so because I wanted to clear up my reputation than it was that I didn't want to drink alcohol. Um, and then when I moved, there was no reputation there. And I think, I think what really got in my head was that this was a fresh start and I could kind of be whoever I wanted to be when I moved. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was like five or six hours away from my hometown and I, realized after a few months of really, really bad, like I said, my second relapse was, it was bad. Um, and I, I think I realized after a period of time that I just didn't want, I didn't want to go back down that path, um, and end up with that reputation in a new place because you can't just pick up and move when you have an apartment lease. You can't just pick up and move mm-hmm. when you have obligations as an adult. Um, and you're not living in your parents' basement. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, I, I realized that that just wasn't who I wanted to be. Not only that, but like I said, I, when, when I realized the damage it was doing to my relationship with my, my husband of almost five years where that time went, (laughs) um, but when I realized the damage it was doing to us, like, I just couldn't take that risk because I, even though I hadn't really adjusted myself to love because of past relationships and stuff, like I knew this was the guy I wanted to be with forever. And then I, I, I also knew that if I continued to go down that path, like he wasn't going to continue to stick around because it was just so hard to watch me be like that. Like we would go out to try to have a really nice dinner and stuff. And I would ruin it because alcohol used to make me so angry mm-hmm. that I would just, I would just get mad about random things and stuff. So I think it was just realizing that that wasn't who I wanted to be anymore. Um, and like I said, now I have, I have a niece and a nephew and, there's a lot more motivation now in my life than there was back then. But, um, coming to decide to be sober was really, really tough because you have to take a look at yourself and decide if that's, if that's the way you want it to be forever, or if a change needs to be made. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I remember it was, I think a couple of years before that Lindsay Sterling, I don't know if you guys know who that is. I I'm obsessed with her. She's a musician. She does, um, like basically instrumental music. She's amazing. Um, and there was a quote in that interview where she said, whenever there's a change to be made, you need to realize, you come to realize that, I can't remember how it goes. <laughs> it's on a motivational video. Um, she basically <laughs> says, when I, whenever there's a change to be made, you have to realize that there's somewhere else you wanted to be. And I basically wanted to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really, for me, what it ended up being at the, at the, you know, take all of the other stuff away from it. I just wanted to be happy because I hadn't been in so long and I knew alcohol was not making me happy. It was making me numb. Sure. And when, like when you first or second time, you know, you decided to, um, you know, become sober again, did you take it on, on your own? Did you go to like meetings? Can you talk a little bit more if you don't mind about that piece for anyone who might be listening and and kind of unsure? Absolutely. Um, so 
I did AA for a little while the first time. Um, it just didn't seem like the right environment for me. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it's, it's just not for everybody. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was just, there's a lot of rules and stuff in AA that mm-hmm. aren't in the, I don't want to call it the contemporary um, sobriety space necessarily, but like the more casual sobriety space. Um, I had a really great support system when I went to get sober the second time. Um, the the first time was a decision I made, but the second time, you know, I, I mean, I had, I had my husband, I had my sister, I had my parents, we had mended our relationship in a lot of ways. Um, but the first time was really, really hard. I will say probably the best advice that I can give people when it comes to getting sober is to to really take a step back and ask yourself if this is something that you think you're going to need assistance with. And it's a really hard question to ask because none of us want, we, we don't want to ask for help. Like that's mm-hmm. literally the reason why we drink. Um, but some people do need clinical help. They do. They need to be able to detox in a, a safe environment where people can help them because detoxing from alcohol is painful. It hurts. Um, and it, it's one of the few addictions that as you're coming off of it, there's a higher chance of you dying than there is while you're using, if that makes sense. Um, but for, for me, I, I spent some time with family for the first couple of weeks. I, you know, I, I very much, I had people around me pretty much 24 seven so that if something happened, um, somebody was around, I didn't go to treatment, um, because I didn't get to that level, um, where the physical symptoms were so bad that I needed to go to treatment, but some people are going to handle help. And like I said, I know that question is, it's so hard to ask. It really is like, ask yourself if you think you're going to need extra hands on board to make it happen. But the reality is coming off of something that has your brain locked like that is a lot more difficult than people give it credit for. Um, because it just, it feels like the only place you belong. And when you take yourself out of there, you really have to figure out who you are. Yeah, I could imagine that's so hard. I have so many people in my life currently that are struggling with um, addictions and things like that, whether it's friends or family. So I, I wanted to touch upon like, you know, like where to get started. And we kind of did that. Um, But also like, what are things that you feel like I know you, you and I have talked about this before, too, is like things that maybe you shouldn't say or things that you shouldn't do or like kind of triggers to someone who is starting that journey. Oh yeah. Uh, the outside world can be really, really brutal. Um, one of the biggest things for me, um, was always the people who would bring up things that I did when I was drunk because it's not helpful at all. Um, I realize that some people are like, Oh, you need that reminder of who you used to be. I promise you, we don't, we don't need that reminder of who we used to be. We're fully aware of it. Um, even if we don't remember it, we remember the side effects of that person. Um, we don't want to sit and talk about that. That is not something that we want to continue to rehash because it keeps us in this space where we feel like we're locked into being that person forever. Um, so probably the most unhelpful thing I've ever <laughs> had had to deal with is people bringing up who I used to be because I don't live there anymore. That's not my mm-hmm. house, that's not my stuff. <laughs> um, but I will also say that a lot of times people try to give advice <laughs> and not like, like they mean well, people genuinely mean well, but they'll come to you and they'll talk to you about things. Um, 
and maybe from a psychological perspective or they're like, oh, I read this article that talks about, you know, like this part of the human psyche and this is how this works. And to try to diagnose someone while they're in recovery, you know, to really like try to shrink them is a huge no-no. Um, I remember really like right when I first got sober, I remember a lot of people telling me that the only reason I wanted to get sober was because of the fact that I lived in a small town and stuff. And that it was, you know, I mean, I've heard it all. I've literally heard it all for all of the reasons that people stay addicted for all the reasons that people can't get out of it and stuff. Like I've literally heard it all. And I, I think that's the biggest advice I can give people is to not shrink people. Like, like, I understand it's really tempting to go there about a person's like psychological side and stuff. I, I get where the temptation comes from, but it's so not helpful. It's really not. Um, and it just brings them back to this space of shame and shame makes the temptation to go back to the addiction so much worse. Um, it, I mean, because it feels like if people think that of me, like, why don't I just keep doing it? Yeah, for sure. And I think that for, you know, for outsiders, like, cause like I said, I struggle with this for multiple people in my life and it's hard when you don't have an addiction issue to be like, well, why don't you just stop? Like, just like, like, like you said, shrink it to be like, just quit. Like it's that easy. Just stop doing it. But it's so much more than that. And like, I'm learning that cause I am trying to educate myself on things like this. Um, so that you're not you know, belittling someone on what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you said is so perfect because it's, it's true. If you've never gone through it, just like anything else, like I've, we talked about anxiety and like depression and things like that on this podcast. And, you know, if you haven't gone through it, you don't know what they're going through. And so to say things like that is just not helpful, like you said. So yeah. I'm glad that you said that. And I wanted to touch on as well, like you mentioned earlier, like being really depressed at some point. So you know, obviously when you're in that state of before you get sober, um, I'm sure that you're feeling a lot of that depression. I mean, alcohol obviously is going to bring, yeah. Yeah, it's going to bring you down, but in terms of like your mental health journey along, you know, going alongside with your sobriety journey, how has that looked for you? You know, how has your depression changed? How has it shaped things like that? So the cool thing about sobriety that nobody tells you before you get sober is that your clear mind can absorb and understand things so much better once you come off the alcohol and you're really like, you know, three, four, five months in, um, and your brain really starts to get to that point where it's, it's able to comprehend some things and break things down. And you slowly start to get this like cognitive ability to, um, catch your triggers and catch those kinds of things. And for the last several years, especially for me, I've been able to break down, like, especially if I'm like in a depressive episode, because I have very manic depression. I will have, I have periods of time where I'm so productive. It's almost scary. And then I have these periods of time where it's three, four, five, six days where I just, I can barely get out of bed and function as a human. I don't Mm -hmm. even know what's going on. Um, And during those times, it used to be really, really, really hard for me to not just want to drink alcohol during those times, because like I was like already down, I may as well be further down, like um, that kind of thing. But the cool thing about sobriety is it gives you that clarity of mind to be able to really sit back and say, okay, first of all, alcohol is not going to make it better. Alcohol is a depressant. It's just going to, it's going to bring it further down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gonna make it harder to get back out. And second of all, when you, um, when you do finally come out of it, if you do decide to drink, you're going to feel worse about yourself. And the introspection that comes with sobriety is it is, 
I don't even know how to explain it in words. Like it is just the coolest thing. It is so cool to be able to like really just understand that I have complete control over the situation, even when everything around me is completely chaotic. I have control of whatever comes next. Um, and those decisions that I make are going to impact me for the future. Like to be able to actually have the clarity of mind to realize that is insane. That's awesome. I mean, I think that like depression for anyone can be so tricky. And so I can't imagine having like that addiction on top of it because I feel like at that point it's like, well, is it my depression or is it my drinking? Well, it's both, but it's, you're trying to kind of, I feel like probably pin, pin it on one or the other, mm-hmm. if that makes sense at all. Totally. Totally makes sense. <laughs> I was like trying to find the words to explain that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of just, uh, you know, as we're kind of finishing up, you know, talking about your sobriety journey or not finishing up, but you know, as we're kind of moving through the different stages, I guess you could say, you know, now in the place that you're at, what, pushes you to continue to stay sober obviously I'm sure family's a big part of that (laughs) oh for sure yeah I mean they're everything to me and a lot of it has to do with the fact that when I was really 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 in in it with alcohol and stuff we had a very broken relationship um I I I I, like I couldn't keep a relationship alive to save my life and I'm not talking romantically like I just I had a lot of struggles with my family and so like to think back and look at all of the time that I lost with those people is really, really difficult for me. But it also reminds me that like, I don't want that to happen again. Um, and they're definitely a a huge, huge part of that. Um, God, what was the question? What was the rest of it? (laughs) What pushes you to stay sober? (laughs) Um, I actually wrote something down on my notes. Um, And it was, it was from a call that I was on a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about how, if you're not moving forward, you're either standing still or moving backward and backwards, not an option for me. It's just not, um, that's I, for the last eight and a half years, I just literally told myself like backwards is not an option. We're not going Mm -hmm. back that direction. Um, but honestly, standing still sucks. It does. And I I think people underestimate how bad it sucks until you realize how long you've been standing still and you've been doing the same mundane thing over and over and over again. Sure. Um, and all I want to do is move forward. Even if it's just a little bit, I don't care if it's a snail's pace. I just want to move forward. Um, mm-hmm. instead of standing still. So I love that. I love that. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> That's me and Mary's response to everything. Like, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so switching gears a little bit, do you have any type of like morning or evening routine that you typically follow or what's that look like for you? So I did for a while. Um, I also tried to force myself into this box of being an early riser. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, I have learned so much. Um, I've been on a social media break for a little while and I've learned so much in that time about like sleep chronotypes and stuff. And I'm telling you right now, I am not a morning person is not a phrase (laughs) people use because they're lazy. It's because they're legit, not a morning person. Like their (laughs) brain is wired not to be, I am one of those people. Um, I try to wake up by seven o'clock at the latest. And then I typically my morning routine, I take the first hour, whatever, you know, whenever it is that I get up, even if it's like later than that, I take the first hour from me. Um, what that looks like on a daily basis tends to look different. Uh, I'm not one of those people who can get up and do the same 15 things in a row and just be good to go. I'm very ADHD about my life. <laughs> um, and so it tends to be coffee journaling, 
Um, I get my workout in somewhere and all of that. Most of the time I have a tendency, to that, <laughs> but it, you know, that happens. Um, but yeah, like my morning routine is really different. Um, and then my nighttime routine is basically brush my teeth and make sure my skincare gets in. As long as those two things are good to go, like absolutely nothing else in the world matters as long as those two things get done. So <laughs> I feel like even my night routine. Sorry, Mary. Yeah, no, (laughs) I was going to say the same thing, but it's just like, I think that people think that your morning routine has to stay exactly the same every single morning or your evening routine, or like, it has to be this like 10 step, you know, like skincare, you know, it's like this 10 step thing when sometimes it just has to be, you know, brushing your teeth before bed. Like we talked to someone else and she said, I have lemon water every single morning. That is my constant. Like, that's just what I do. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like step, 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 step. Like it can be one thing every single morning. That's just consistency. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I have a little checklist thing, actually, ironically, I have it right here in my binder, which I know the podcast listeners can't see, but it's literally (laughs) a task list and stuff. It's stuff that I want to get done every single day, but I don't necessarily do it in the same order. And I, it's okay for people to have a morning routine where they do everything in the same order. That's Mm -hmm. how it works for you. But like, I just feel like so many people are like, if I want to be successful, I have to do these five things in this order in this amount of time. And I'm like, no, dude, stop it. (laughs) Well, and I feel like at that point it becomes just checking a box. Like it's not actually doing anything for you. It's just being like, well, did that check? Yes. Yes. I agree. I do. And I feel you like I also tried to be a morning person for so long and I was just <laughs> miserable because like you said, it's just, I mean, I'm not like, I don't sleep till noon or anything, but it's like, I'm not a morning person. I'm like, I tell my fiance all the time. Cause I'm not like a night owl either. I go to bed at like eight. So I'm like an 11 to like two, like that's my solid time of like, you can have me. And I'm like in a great mood. We're good. But right? other than that, like don't. <laughs> 11 to 2 gives herself a three-hour window a day. <laughs> That's honestly, I found, like, that is when I am the most, like, energized, the happiest, like, I'm the nicest person. Don't talk to me after that, <laughs> like, or this before. Very off topic, and I don't, I'm going to ask you first, Lindley, have you ever heard of human design? I... I've heard the words put together in that order before, if that makes any sense. It's, yes. it's, the, um, is it the 16 personalities test? Is that what you're talking about? So it's that it's it's similar to that, but it's more of like a, a a spiritual look into it. I feel like you could say, so Mary, just from what you said, now I'm going to send you how you figure out your human design. Um, because (laughs) no, I'm, I, 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 say that because I'm a projector, which we'll go into more details at some other point, because this is something that really is cool to me, but projectors typically have about a three hour period of day where they're most productive and they feel like they can get work done, but projectors should only be working small amounts of time too. Like you should really mm-hmm. your work. So when you said that, it was like, is Mary a projector? And like, I just had to voice <laughs> it before I forget. <laughs> Definitely. I'll have to look it up. You'll have to send it to me yes, so I'll I can do that. <laughs> I've also found that like, I surround myself because like, after you pulled out your binder and everything, like I surround myself with like type A people and I think that that's like to try to like help me, but I don't think it's working because I'm so type B, but it's just funny that you guys are like, everybody we have on here is like so type oh, A. That's legit the only type A thing I have. I, <laughs> I mean, my house is super organized, but it's to keep my anxiety disorder at bay, not because I want it to be organized. <laughs> and I think that that's also like, I mean, like, again, we're kind of off topic, but not really. Um, cause we can do whatever we I want here. Topic here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like with mental health though, like something that you said earlier was like, 
how productive you can be sometimes when you are having such high anxiety. And I think that people, when they think of like anxiety and depression and things like that, they just think like, like some days it is just laying in bed and you can't physically cannot get out. But sometimes like it looks different for everybody, like being productive like that, or like having to have your house in order. Like, I think that people don't see those sides of it. So I'm glad that you like said that, because I think that everybody has like this image of like what depression is, but like my depression and my anxiety is different than each of yours, you know, like nobody is the same. Definitely. And do you have, speaking of uh, going back to kind of depression, anxiety, do you have anything that you kind of go to that helps you when you're in those moods? Like for me, meditation is like a big thing to just try to like shift my energy a little bit. Do you have something like that or a couple things like that, that you'll try out if you're like really feeling it one day? Yeah. And actually on my social media break that I've been doing, it has been very, very helpful to just completely get rid of screens and those moments of anxiety. I, especially if I'm having like a really bad day, anything Mm -hmm. I see on the internet can trigger me to get more upset. Um, and it could be something that wouldn't normally actually make me upset, but I get on the internet and I'm already anxious and like vibey and stuff. And the next thing I know, I'm upset about everything I see in my feed. So my biggest things that I do, or at least that I've been doing for the last several weeks, um, are I come in my office, I actually have, (laughs) this looks so gross. Um, this is my horrible ashtray from my grandparents. Um, it is not for cigarettes. (laughs) This is a sage stick. Um, I come in and I like the sage stick and I just kind of let it do its thing. I like the smell of it. Um, it's calming for me. I don't know. I don't know if there's psychological effects of sage on anxiety. I've never looked it up, but I probably should, but I come in, I like that. And I get rid of like any screen time that I have going on. So like, even if I'm in here and I have my computer in front of me, I make sure that it's turned off. Um, and I'll like, I'll turn on some music or something like that and just sit and be for a little while. Um, sometimes I journal, I, I tend to write when I'm upset. Um, but yeah, pretty much those things. And it's, it's like you said, it's different for everybody. It's funny mm-hmm. to me, um, when you sit and you talk with people, because you, you find out that there's, there's really not a one size fits all option for what people do when they're really, yeah. really anxious. There's, no. there's so many things. So, but that's lately, that's what's been working for me is, you know, come in light some sage. I mean, light a candle if you prefer candles or whatever, but just, you know, just something that feels calming and stuff and just kind of get into that space and get away from screens for a little while, because I'm telling you right now, the internet has nothing good to tell you <laughs> in the middle of an anxiety attack. The internet is not worth it. Yes. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. And I know that during like COVID and during like this stressful time of like quarantine and things like that, you really got into like plants, um, and like having something to take care of, you know? And I think that that, like you had said it, I think on one of your stories, you were just saying like, this is something that I can like like do and this is peaceful to me and it like brings me like this energy is that something that you're still doing yeah yeah um actually <laughs> it's funny I got some plant food a few weeks ago and I was like this isn't gonna work <laughs> like <laughs> winter in Iowa in northern Iowa where I live is um it's pretty brutal and it was like negative 30 a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and my plants didn't appreciate that so I was like okay well I don't know what to do other than like give you guys water because I'm concerned about how many of you have dying leaves and stuff. And so I did some research and stuff and I was like, okay, I'll get some plant food. 
would you all believe me if I said that they, they are, I mean, there are new leaves popping out of everything <laughs> right now and they're not supposed to be growing. This is supposed to be their dormant season and I'm all excited about it, but yeah. <laughs> um, to answer your actual question. Yeah. I am still, I'm still doing the plant mom thing. And I think it, I think the cool thing about something like that is it does, like you said, it's, it gives me something to take care of. It's not me. So like when mm-hmm. I'm, you know, when I'm having trouble with doing the self-care thing, sometimes my self-care is taking care of something that's not me. Yeah. Um, and I do that with my plants. I, you know, I make sure that I, you know, take care of that and stuff because like, if I don't take care of them, they die. So <laughs> <laughs> I think too, like, cause I, I, when I moved into this place last February in like Marchish, when quarantine started, I started getting a lot of plants and my mom's always had like a lot of plants, but like, I never actually had any. And there's something even just about like, you know, going around and watering. I think I had like five or six, which sadly they've all died. I mean, some of them are outside. So winter just naturally <laughs> killed those, but yeah. my cats really just had a, had a heyday in those plants. So <laughs> ripped to them, but, <laughs> but there was something so calming to my anxiety, just about like going like the two or three days that I had to water them a week, going mm-hmm. around and just filling up my, my watering can and like watering them. And it's like something so simple mm-hmm. like knowing that I'm helping give this thing like growth like mm-hmm. it just was like it would feel to me to like just feel better about the day mm-hmm. and it's like you would tell someone who doesn't have like a, you know a mental health kind of thing and they're like you're fucking insane right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just my that, my two cents about plants <laughs> I mean my addictive personality definitely came out in my plant situation though because there's like 50 of them in this house now and I had two <laughs> last year so I love that. I'm not a plant person. I like have zero green thumb, but like people, like, I don't know what it was about like this year and plants and things like that, but like our work sent us like a little tiny, like succulent thing. And I'm like, no, I got to take care of that. Like that stresses me out. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Like like, return to sender. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want this. Like too much responsibility. My sister bought me like plants this year and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to take care of that. Too much. So I have the complete opposite. That gives me anxiety to have to In take care of defense, another thing. You have a lot to take care of. Right I've now. got a lot on my plate right now, yeah. but yeah. Um, as we start wrapping up, I know that this is Holly's like favorite question to ask. So maybe I'll let you go, Holly. What are three things that you're grateful for today? I actually sat down and wrote this out because I was like, I'm gonna mess this you up when prepared. I do it. I ask Mary every podcast, and she asks, like, uh. like she's never heard this question before. <laughs> No, so, accurate. Um, so I wrote down my husband, my family and their belief in me, because right now I'm kind of breaking out of what I've been doing for several years and changing things up a little bit. And it's been nice to have that belief and iced coffee, but it's all decaf because I'm addressing my caffeine problem too. Yeah. I have that as well that I need to address, but I'm putting it on the back burner. Yeah, they call it addiction transfer and it's not, it's not fun. <laughs> So as we're wrapping up, um, what is coming next for you? Where can our listeners find you? What's on the horizon? (laughs) Okay. Well, I made the millennial mistake of getting a TikTok. So if you search me by my first name, I'm on there. Don't judge me. The videos are not good. (laughs) They'll get better with time, I think. Um, Or on Instagram, it's um, living.with.lindley. and those are the two best places to find me. Um, my Facebook is a 
complete disaster. So I just avoid that at all costs. I, I'm hardly <laughs> ever on there. Um, and I'm actually hoping to start a podcast soon and I'm working with a web developer to get a website going. So awesome. those awesome. things will be coming, but obviously I'll talk about them on my Instagram because that's where I talk about everything. So yeah, and we'll have everything linked in our, um, show notes and everything like that to find you. So I'll have to find your TikTok so I can put that in there. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm almost to a hundred followers. I'm so proud of my millennial self. Hey, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I get like three likes on one of mine and I'm like, nice. <laughs> I'm just a lurker on TikTok. I've never even posted anything. <laughs> yeah, well, my most liked TikTok is about my, um, last week I went through my coffee mugs and there were like 95 of them in the house. And that's my most liked TikTok is that's me hilarious. talking about what a disaster my kitchen is because there's mugs everywhere. Yeah. That sounds like a TikTok hole I would get into. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Holly, don't you have mugs in storage? I have like three boxes of mugs. I also, when we moved in here, ended up asking my parents to bring home like a box or two of mugs. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, we, it, it we really is. Just fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for not yes. only coming on here and sharing about yourself, but sharing about, you know, your journey with sobriety and everything like that. Um, obviously, I can't say I know from experience because I've never been through any type of addiction like like that, but, you know, the fact that you are where you are now and have the strength and courage to talk about it and share. Um, I mean, we never know who's listening. And so I just really appreciate you taking the time and, and talking about how you worked through yours and things that, you know, could potentially help someone else. And from knowing you personally, I know that if anybody is listening, Lindley is amazing at responding. Like you said, you're on a social media break right now, but if you have any questions or anything like that, I know that you have always been open to answering things for me on my end. So if you are struggling or if you're going through something and you just want to ask advice or anything like that, definitely. I mean, you can say it if you want to, but I'm putting you out there and letting people know that they can reach out. Yeah, no, I'm an open book, especially when it comes to addiction and stuff. I, I've literally seen and been through so much that I, the one thing I will tell people is we don't heal unless we do it together. We just don't, you don't, you don't do this alone. Nobody, I have not ever met anybody who successfully conquered any sort of addiction without some sort of a support system, even if it was from complete strangers. So if I have to be that complete stranger for you, if you have nobody to reach out to, my inbox is open for that reason. Um, because I never want anybody to feel like they can't get through an addiction problem just because they have nobody. Like I will point you to resources. I will point you to people. I'll help you find, you know, the local area that deal. Like if you think you need to go to detox, I will help you figure out where that is. Like I will do whatever I can. Um, but we heal together. We just, it's what we do. So I love that. I think that that's like the perfect ending to this for sure. Yes. Thank you so much for being on. We appreciate your time and have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for having me. Of course. Oh, that was such a good interview. How are you feeling after we finish that up, Mary? I honestly just feel like this episode is going to help so many people, even if they're not like dealing with addiction themselves personally, but like as an outsider looking in, I think that this is going to be something that's helpful because sometimes, it, I mean, with anything, it's just hard to know what to say or how to say things or how to be there for someone going through that. And I think that she touched upon so many of those points. And I'm just, I, I hope that if you're listening to this, whether you are someone who struggles or you have someone in your life that struggles, that this is going to be helpful to you to kind of hear the perspective of someone who has gone through it. 
Definitely. I would have to agree. And I think that when she talked more on like things to, you know, say or not say when you're talking with someone, talking to someone with addiction, like I thought that was really helpful because Mm -hmm. some of those things like that she said, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I, I would never bring that up, but like some things even talking about like the sort of like the, the psyche part of it like actually like Mm -hmm. how your brain's functioning like to me I'm like oh that's so interesting I would want to talk to someone but for someone who's in that situation like Mm -hmm. they're like listen I'm learning about it like I don't need to hear it from you kind of thing and and so I found that very interesting and and helpful to kind of have a better talk to others for sure and I think that no matter what journey you're on whether it's you know sobriety or your health journey or mental health things like that I think that it just kind of all wraps into something that she had touched upon saying, you know, can I do this by myself? And that can go in any direction. Like we've talked about like wanting to go to therapy. We've talked about, you know, having trainers or programs that we use or having each other to lean on. And I think that, you know, no matter what you're going through, that's kind of the question that you need to, to seek help with and see like, can I do this by myself or do I need someone else? And I think that that was just like huge and no matter what you're going through. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And to wrap up this episode, Mary, where can our listeners contact us? They can find us on Instagram at getfittywithitpod, or they can email us at getfittywithitpod at gmail.com. So like we said in the intro, if you guys are needing someone to talk to, obviously feel free to reach out to us by Instagram or email. We're more than happy to just listen, um, you know, and, and obviously respond in the way that we can without going through an addiction ourselves, but mm-hmm. definitely our inbox is open if you ever need to talk or just, just say, Hey, I have a problem. That's okay too. Whatever you Absolutely. need. Absolutely. And maybe this, I mean, again, we hope that someone takes something from this and maybe that is looking yourself in the face and realizing that maybe you do have an issue or maybe you do need, you are struggling with something, whether it's, you know, alcohol, like any other kind of addiction. She, I mean, she said that you know, now she's uh, limiting her caffeine and things like that. And it's just, you know, we all have our own stuff going on. Definitely. And so with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, But we will be back next week with a non-interview episode since we've had a couple interviews in a row. Um, But I hope you guys enjoy this. Make sure you are sharing. Um, If you are listening to the podcast, please, you know, give us a follow um, and and tell your friends about it. That's how we're going to continue to grow. And we're really happy about the growth we've had so far. So share Mm -hmm. with a friend if you think they would benefit from it. Have a great rest of your day. It's a beautiful day to be alive. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>